Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, I'm glad you guys decided to join us today. <clears throat> I hope you'll stay tuned. I have a, an employee and a friend and a brother in Christ and a soldier in God's army, as we were talking about a little bit before we went on the air. You know, all the amazing things that are going on at the mission as far as the physical remodel of the, of the old building to make it more inviting to be clean, sanitary, and a place that we can show that God's people and God love and respect the people that are are coming in for our services, our program men, the people from the street, as much as the people that are working in the new building. And so along with this revitalization, you might call it, of our physical building is the revitalization and the uplift that we're doing as far as our chaplaincy team goes. We want to give the people who are out there, who are coming in, who are believers, we want to give them the best discipling we can. But we want those that are lost to understand the difference and to hear the voice of God if he calls for them. And so to that end, uh, over the course of the last few years, we've brought certain individuals on board to help us revamp this program and make it 100% a Christian program, not integrated with other types of psychology, not a program that relies on a model that everybody used to use and then trying to Christianize it, but a program that has from its very origin Christ in the center, the Bible as the primer, and so to that end, we've been hiring some people and replacing some people. Nobody got fired. I just so please don't think that it was some kind of a headhunting thing. But as we brought on new people, we very carefully chose who those people would be. Today, I have on the show Victor Inahosa, who has he he came and joined us the very first day of January, or well first week of January mm -hmm. anyway. And so, Victor, I would like you to say hello to all the folks out there. Hello. Let me ask you, how'd you even hear about the Union Gospel Mission? Yeah, I heard about Union Gospel Mission through my church. Um, I started. What church was that? Yeah, I started attending Grace Bible Church in Fair Oaks, California. And I actually heard about Union Gospel as a person who wanted to serve in the chapel. So I came with our college group, and we did the testimony and sang the songs and, and preached. I think that evening, I think I gave my testimony, if I'm, I'm not mistaken. But I only went once. Um, and it was, a, it, was a, it was an interesting ministry, uh, to say the least. <laughs> <Yeah>. Our church was... <laughs> um, well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, our church was is and yeah I, I don't go there anymore. Um, we just uh, left to go to Redeemer Bible Church, and in that is not because Grace is a bad church; it's no, a great church. No, but so is Redeemer. Yeah, no, I was there for seventeen years. Just uh, left the the internship uh, program there and loved every second of it. But yeah, it was an interesting ministry because of the the tension and the the need there. And I never thought that one day 
I'd be I'd be working there. So. so you heard about us through Eric, correct? Yeah, Eric Rios, as far as uh, the job goes, yeah, mm-hmm. through Eric. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just so you understand, it's a culture shock when somebody comes to the mission as a volunteer or, or, or a church group. The When I first started come down, uh, coming down to the mission, which was probably at least 30 years ago, and I had no idea. I was not familiar with dealing with the homeless either. It was not mm. something that was on my radar. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I uh, I grew up pretty much in a middle-class neighborhood, so mm. it wasn't like that. I, I later became a tradesman, all those kind of things. I'm not mm-hmm. giving you my testimony today because it's not about me. But Victor kind of said something to me earlier that that awakened in me— exactly how I felt when I came down. I had driven down not knowing what to expect, not wanting to be, uh, uh, what do I do? Do these people wash? Is there, uh, is there sickness? Is there, you know, mental illness or hostility? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to deal with them. And I, I decided that the light of Christ was going to supersede any fears I had. Mm-hmm. So, I <laughs> listen, I know this is going to sound terrible, but <laughs> I thought— if one of these people, I know their hands aren't clean and everything, but if they want to shake my hand when I pray with them, okay. Yeah. And so now I get there, and it's everything that I thought it was, you know. And I'm, I'm, I was out there. I was preaching a message. I got finished with the message, and a couple of people wanted to pray with me. They'd been on the street. Mm. They smelled a little bit, and they were a little mm-hmm. bit dirty, you mm-hmm. know. And but remember. I was going to shake hands regardless. Mm-hmm. We get finished praying, and they both threw their arms around me. <laughs> and honestly, folks, the first thing I thought is looking up and thinking, funny God, mm-hmm. he has a mm-hmm. great sense of humor. <laughs> so since then, it for the first year, it happened all the time. Every time I was praying with somebody, and guess what? I got over that because— mm-hmm. I also realized I'm not trying to over-spiritualize things, but here's the bottom line. Bottom line is we don't really realize no matter how physically clean we are on the outside, we're a, we are the sinner who's Absolutely. laying in the pig trough. Yes. And God takes us and, and picks us up, and he expects from his people, the ones that are called by his name, to act the very same mm-hmm. way towards the people that we might think are kind of— dirty or smelly or whatever. And by the way, that is only some of the homeless that Mm -hmm. are out there. Every day of the week, we have showers for the men and everything. And a lot of these guys shower and bathe and have clean clothes on every day. So I'm not talking about the majority. I'm talking about some. So Victor, you you felt kind of uh, out of your element maybe when you got there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the first time I, I felt this tension and awkwardness, and we were talking about this before off air, I think there's this natural unfamiliarity, mm-hmm. right, with the culture. There is a, a homeless culture, and I don't think people realize that, right? There's subcultures, but but until I had to grow in the Lord a bit and mature, I realize that these people are made in the image of God, just Amen. as valuable as I am. Amen. Yeah. And they need the Lord. And who else is going to do it? I'm here. Let's uh-huh. let's share. So I think that conquered any sort of 
prejudice, I think it's a natural partiality that's just embedded in us as sinful people. Yeah, because we have that tendency to make a them and us type of mentality mm-hmm. go, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's of color, whether it's of, you know, ethnicity mm-hmm. from, you know, some other ethnic culture, whether it's a different church, whether whatever the case is, we tend to want to categorize it as as us and them. Right. And to your point, to break down all those barriers, we have to first understand there's one Lord overall. Mm-hmm. And so whether we have a prejudice against somebody because of the region that they come from or the color of their skin, in Christ Jesus, that that is not permissible. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And so as far as culture goes— when you talk about the homeless, there's a lot of stigmas that fall into that, right? Mm-hmm. And we have to overcome those, do we not? Absolutely. And they're going to know if we don't. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I, what's so interesting, we were talking about this off air as well, is that these people, they've been in survival mode. A lot of them that that have, right. that have been actually homeless, they're in survival mode. And so their whole existence out there on the streets is just learning how to read people well. And so really we're in a fishbowl as we minister to these people. They'll know if we truly are loving them or That's not. That's right. And which I'm grateful for because mm-hmm. there's no pretense. Mm-hmm. I have to be walking with the Lord every day. I have to be in prayer. I mm-hmm. have to be investing in my relationship with Jesus. Otherwise, I'm just putting fake fruit on a dead tree. That's right. You can't, uh, you can't fake it. And it can be intimidating at times. Little by little, you grow through those things. But some of the things that uh, you are equipped as far as education goes, you have not, you didn't just fall off a turnip truck in (laughs) Fresno, right? A turnip truck. So not that education in and of itself makes that difference because I've known guys that had their doctorate degree in theology and they were as lost as a mm. pumpkin in a you know i i don't know any colloquial Watermelon thing to patch. say but, i don't know yeah yeah one of those things yeah. cabbage patch yeah. yeah there we go uh because the bottom line is that theology does matter mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it but if your theology is bad it doesn't matter how well educated you are in mm-hmm. it right absolutely then what you've got is a very well-educated, very lost person who really does not grasp it. Mm-hmm. And that's also saying for some of the pastors and for some of the teachers, I am well aware that there are pastors and teachers out there that have a plethora of understanding. They have a good, solid Bible uh, background. They know the theology. They know all the different aspects of it and may not have a doctorate on their on their wall. But having said that, if you can combine, combine the call of God on your life and you can secure as much education as far as that goes from a good theological background, it'll serve you and the people you're talking to the rest of your life, right? Absolutely. And so having said that, you're in the process of getting your uh, Master's of Divinity degree? I actually just finished up all of the coursework in November 
mm-hmm. last year. So my graduation will be in May of this year. And I gra- I'm going to graduate, Lord willing, um, if they give me the diploma um, from oh, the master's semi- <laughs> <laughs> from the, the master seminary in, in okay. Los Angeles. Yeah. Oh, wait, you didn't go to Southern? Well, it deals uh, off. Is there a buzzer that I have yeah, to uh, Yeah. No, that's great. Uh-huh. It's a great uh, place to go. But you've also done other things. Um, you are a certified biblical counselor already, or you're in the process of being certified. Yeah. So in undergoing the MDiv at Masters, a couple of the courses uh, in the pastoral counseling arm um, had us do all of the course- coursework for ACBC. So mm-hmm. I just need to submit those and get a fellow and start recording you know, counseling sessions and things like that. And so really the third phase is all I have to do. Um, and so I'm very much interested in being a certified biblical counselor. I've already done the work, so I might as well, you know, get certified. Be I think that, uh, I think it's impo- uh, not impossible. I think it's important for us to let the people who are listening to us today what we mean when we say that you went to ACBC or you are a certified biblical counselor, what what does that look like? So, in other words, let me just start you off by saying that once upon a time, pastors counseled the, the congregants. Mm-hmm. They were the ones that went to, and somewhere along the line, we abrogated that responsibility and turned it over to people who, meaning well, still did not have a, a biblical perspective on sin and our problems. Right. In order to cure that, the father of biblical counseling, or at least that's how I look at him, because Jay Adams is 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 my, you know one of those guys. Right. No. Yeah. I got his books. He sits on my shelf there. Absolutely. So, so. Could you explain a little bit what I mean by certified biblical counselor? Yeah, so at least, I mean, there's so many acronyms out there. Um, yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter about the totally. acronym. But what does acronym, it doesn't really matter, but what does all of that mean? Yeah, at least from from my perspective, is that in the arena of um, counseling, there can be a divide, and I think really there sh- should be when we're talking about ministering to people's souls. So even when we're talking about psychology, I believe the word psych there is a Greek one, and it refers to the soul, right? So in psychology, the world essentially is trying to solve soul problems using worldly man-centered means. Mm -hmm. And so what ACBC or any biblical counseling... um, program attempts to do is to say, actually, because God has made the soul, it would make sense then that God in his word has solutions for Mm -hmm. soul problems. Mm -hmm. And so even as the mission, we've transitioned out of a 12-step model, which is kind of trying to wed and and marry psychology, man-centered, really philosophy with Bible discarded that, and now we're saying, what does God's Word have to say about sin? What does God's Word have to say about enslaving sin, instead of labeling it as a disease or some other victim sort of language? Correct. Um, Do we have any responsibility for the situations that we've put ourselves in? Sure. 
why why do I do the things that I do? Why do I say the things that I say? And we believe, um, since God's word is sufficient in everything we need for life and godliness, that his word does have the tools for us to be able to repent of sin um, and follow God with our lives. Yeah, but it is also not, and to your point, we're not trying to say that, hey, listen, if you've got some kind of a problem, just pick up your Bible and, and it'll all be taken care of. Right. We're approaching it from the idea that, yes, the Bible is sufficient for every need we have to answer the questions that we have, but it takes people who are trained in bringing those out, and especially in situations that most of us are never going to run into. Right. So if you're going to go as a Christian to a marriage counselor, that marriage counselor needs to know how to counsel you from the Word of God, mm-hmm. not from some script that they have gotten over how generally people behave, right. because we're dealing with Christians. And so the other part of that is that that they need to be highly trained. Right. And that's what these certification programs are for, correct? Mm, correct. Yeah, I mean, we're, we always have places to grow, especially in our, our sanctification. But I think, I think at least from my, my perspective, it's easy for the church, because we're a parachurch ministry, right? We're not a church. But it's, it, that's correct. It, it's easy for the church to say, well, I don't have a certificate from whatever acronym, however long it is. Yeah, right? whatever it is. And so that means I'm unequipped to be able to handle God's word in helping you. But really, Ephesians 4 talks about how it's the pastor's role to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And so not, while everybody's not going to be a biblical counselor, right. they are called to be their brother's keeper right, they and bear are. one another's burdens, which is really cool. And so I'm thankful for my, my background to be able to both serve in the context that I'm in at UGM and trying to funnel these, these men um, not only uh, – to the God of, of the gospel that can save them and redeem them and, and clean them up, but then also funnel them to, to a church where they're needed. If, they, if they're saved, they're equipped, God has gifted them, and so they're needed to, to serve in that, that church. And then other believers, they may or not have a plaque on their wall, mm-hmm. but if they know their Bibles, right, and they mm-hmm. know that, that God is able to change um, a soul and change a life, Surely. that they can be confident that with, with the Scriptures— um, and and done in a tactful and intentional way, a skilled kind. way, a kind way, graceful, exactly. Um, they can help another person follow Christ more. No, and by the way, when we're talking, if I know that sometimes we use words that possibly everybody doesn't think or know about, but one of those words being you said in the process of your sanctification, and what we mean by that is when you come to God. You come, and uh, that is an act of God drawing men to his side. And so you are justified when you believe, and when you confess, you are justified. But then the process of sanctification is a synergistic or a, a a dual role that's played, God working with you as you seek to grow in God's grace, and he implants in you those same qualities, you grow in grace. And throughout the time we are born again, 
until the time we are glorified, which means we are taken into heaven, whether it be by death or the return of the Lord, that time in between as we are growing to be more Christ-like is what we mean when we use the term growing in sanctification. So I wanted you guys to be clear. That's what we're talking about. A good verse on that is Philippians 2, verse 13, where it says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Mm -hmm. But uh, the verse that's right before that um, says, Therefore, my beloved, as you always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, and those verses are right next to each other. Yes, and you know, uh, some translations say to will and to do. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, and and as you've pointed out, and I have said this many times to people, when it says, and they'll come to me and they'll ask, well, it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling, and they take that in some instances to mean that you need to gain your salvation with fear and trembling to work it out, and that's not what that means. Mm-hmm. What that means is, and I'm kiddingly, but there's truth to it, said, if I perform a wedding, I could easily say at the end of that, now I pronounce you man and wife, now go work out your, your marriage with fear and trembling. You are married, but now that's the beginning. Mm-hmm. You are saved but go work out that salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that we cower before God either. It means that we need to take very seriously this whole process of sanctification, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, there's theology out there that talks about, you know, coming to Jesus requires no effort on your part. You know, you don't have to do anything. And while Jesus has paid it all and accomplished our salvation with his life and and death and, and resurrection— God still does require obedience from us as we pursue him, right? That's what James is all about, right? Faith and action. You are saved unto good works. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and by the way, we're coming up to the last few minutes of the show, and so I want you to stay over so we can do another show, which will air the following day. We have two minutes. Is there anything that is particularly on your heart you would like to say as we close out the show? Yeah, I'm just grateful for Union Gospel Mission. I'm grateful that they took a chance on Mm me. I'm so grateful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if there's there's anybody out there that that doesn't know him, if if they repent of their sin and trust in Jesus Christ for their salvation, they can be born again. The gospel is is in our name, right? And so we're we're grateful for what Jesus has done, and um, that's what we're for at UGM. Yeah, so think of it this way. You've come to Christ, and he has paid the penalty for sin in your life. And now, in in love and in peace and in gratitude for the peace that God has given us, peace with God is what true peace mm. is. You're no longer an enemy of God, but you are one of his. And so now, what should our obligation be to God with this great and amazing gift he's given it. Mm. Should we just take that freedom and waltz off? No, never. Mm. So I'm going to have Victor come back on the show with me. As I said, we record two every time. 
And uh, so I have, I'm going to have Victor come back on the show with me, and we'll get a little bit deeper and maybe into his background and sure. to what we hope to see. So as always, my friends, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.